0: Please take a seat, and if you have uh, a Bible, uh, it would be probably helpful for you to f- turn to the 23rd Psalm. If you don't know where that is, just take your Bible, cut it in half, and turn a, just a millimeter or so left, and you'll get to the Psalms. And uh, in, in at Psalm 23, it's a psalm of David. David is the king, and uh, he's a king who is a shepherd. He's a king who started off as a shepherd. N- Nikki and I have sheep. It's totally ridiculous. Because uh, I'm a total townie, but we have sheep. We live in the country and we have sheep, and uh, our sheep had lambs. I've got no idea how that happened, but they, I do really, don't worry. Which is weird, I mean, the whole sheep thing's weird because I'm totally, I used to be totally afraid of sheep. I'm like, nobody's afraid of sheep, but I'm, I'm afraid of, of sheep. In fact, I was totally afraid of every kind of animal in the past. And now we live in the country and we have geese and chickens and sheep and dogs. And, um, but, but sheep are weird, aren't they? We've got these sheep. You've got to feed them. They eat our grass. We eat them. It's kind of the way it works, the deal. <laughs> but what I've observed about sheep is that people think they're stupid. And they're not. Sheep are totally not stupid. They're actually quite wise. You can, you can pretty much tell a sheep knows what's going on. And what I've discovered is that in our field, with our flock, <laughs> there are seven of them, it's a flock, um, we have three kinds of sheep. And I'm wondering, as I was preparing this, whether actually this really applies to this congregation. We have three kinds of sheep. First sheep, humor me. We're going to go somewhere. The first kind of sheep is a sheep that we call Bibi. Bibi was born in our field. Uh, Bibi is the only white sheep we have. Bibi doesn't think that she's a sheep. Bibi has no fear of us at all. In fact, the opposite is true. If you go into the field, Bibi runs at you, puts its feet, paws, hoof things... <laughs> Whatever they are, up on my shoulder and needs to be. And sometimes, if you're not very strong, Bibi will knock you over. I tell you why. Because Bibi was adopted by us at birth. She was rejected by her mum, who wouldn't feed her. And Bibi was bottle fed for like four months. And Bibi sometimes would come into the house and lie by the aga. Bibi thinks she's part of the family. Bibi has no fear. Bibi thinks at times she's a dog. Sometimes she's a, a human being. Bibi has no fear. So there are some people in this room who are just like Bibby. And there are other people in this room who are like Bibi's sister and aunties. They were not rejected and they are not named. Now, here's the thing. When you name something, you can't eat it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. They have some fear in their life. So when I jump into the field to feed the sheep, uh, they kind of run away. And then they come back again. And then they run away and they come towards food. And there's this constant come close, run away, nervous, unsure relationship. Trust, don't trust. Trust, don't trust. And there are some of you who are really like that in your faith with God. Trust, don't trust, not sure, half in, half out. And then there's a third kind of sheep that we have. Or we had. One of Bibby's cousins was so afraid that she ran away. If she is still alive, she's in East Lothian somewhere. We have absolutely no idea where. And uh, I'm sure that some someday we're, we're, we're going to find out. She's lost. She's totally and utterly lost. Listen, th- I, th- there are some legitimate fears in this world. Some of your fears are totally illegitimate, but they're your fears. Some of your fears are totally illogical, but they're your fears. Many of your fears are just not going to happen. In fact, the majority of the things that we are petrified about are just not going to happen. They're about a future that isn't real. Most of our fears are actually based in a past that we can't do anything about, but they paralyze us in, in, in the present. But some of us seem supremely confident and not bound by our fears. Like Bibi. And others of us are kind of one minute in, one minute out, one minute confident, one minute insecure, one minute totally aware that it's all going to be okay, but we find ourselves paralyzed in the thing, and some of us are just completely and utterly lost, driven by fear. Driven by fear. This is, I I, I I know I'm preaching it, but I, I think this is one of the most profound series that we have done. Because we live in a world which is, I, I think, totally and utterly paralyzed by fear, from from ordinary common people like you and me to governments, rulers, and authorities, making decisions all the time, every single day, based not out of confidence and security, but out of fear and insecurity. Fear so often punches above its weight, doesn't it? Fear has a greater grip than it should. Sometimes it's totally irrational, sometimes it's totally rational. But what I've seen is that fear limits life, controls situations, destroys possibilities, damages relationships and suffocates dreams. But David, King David, who had every right to be afraid because he's the king. And if you're the king, you have lots of people who like you, but you have a thousand enemies. And David's life was littered with people who wanted to kill him, wanted to undermine him, wanted to have him gone. And, and he legitimately could have had many, many, many fears that drove his life. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to be in want." He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. I think what David is saying is this. It's very possible for you to have a number of shepherds in your life. It's really possible for you to have, in fact, you probably do have, in fact, I'm certain you do, a guide or a shepherd or a thought process that, that, that becomes authoritative for you in your life, something that speaks authoritatively into your life, whether it's Twitter or tradition, newsfeed or friends or cultural trends, there is somebody or something that's going to lead you, that's going to be the ground base, that's going to be the authority figure, that's going to be the authoritative voice in your life, and David says you're going to have a shepherd, but. My testimony is this if you make the Lord your shepherd, you're not going to be afraid. Check out his CV. I mean, that's what 23 is, isn't that what Psalm 23 is? It's the shepherd's CV. David says, Look, check, check this out. He says, He provides. This shepherd provides perfectly. I'm not going to be in want. Which, now, let's hesitate for a moment to say this, but if the Lord is your shepherd, you are never going to lack for anything that he thinks is good for you. In other words, you're not just going to get everything you want. That's not what this means. It means you are never going to lack for anything that he thinks is good for you. So you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be grasping and worrying and fearing and holding on to stuff because you have a shepherd. He not only provides, he cares. He makes me lie down. He's worried about my wholeness. He's worried about my rest. He's concerned for my heart. He knows when I need to rest. I mean, and, he, and he gives me time out. This shepherd perfectly restores and heals and mends. Look, he, he restores my soul. Which, I mean, and the original language just means this. He takes my life Back to the pre-wound. to before it got broken, before it got smashed, before it got damaged, before it got slimed up with this world. He's the one who restores, refreshes, mends, heals my soul in the deepest, innermost parts. He puts me back together. This shepherd. This is the one who's the ground base. This is the one who's the authority. And he is there. Never once, never once did I ever walk alone. Never once will I ever walk alone because he is the God who is there. He never sleeps. He never misses a beat. He never misses a trick. He's the creator and the father and the savior and the shepherd. In other words, David is saying there is, listen, there is no other authority coming down the road at you that can compare to him. There is no ism that can do this, no culture or ethos that offers something this good, this, this perfect coverage, this perfect love. No friend that can promise this, no amount of money that can provide this. He provides, he mends, he cares, he heals, and he is there. The Lord is my shepherd, which means you're going to be afraid because we live in a busted, broken attritional world let's not pretend but you don't need to live afraid so when fear comes knocking at your door you don't have to let it in and you don't have to indulge it and you don't have to make it a cup of coffee you don't in other words, David says you don't need to be afraid of the future you don't need to be alone in the present and you don't need to be defeated by your past because he is the shepherd and, and let's just unpack that for a moment because this is really important if we can get this it's going it's to create a, a perspective and a posture for our lives that's going to enable us to walk through this life with some kind of victory the first thing you need to know is he holds the future this shepherd carries the future which is big, this is massive. Because many of us we have a fear about what's gonna to happen to us. I mean we wouldn't use that kind of language, but but deep in our quietest intimate moments when we're alone, we, we have some fears about what's gonna happen. How's it all gonna work out? Am I going to be able to afford it? Will I ever be able to have a house? Can I ever retire? Can I ever pay off my student loan? What happens if I don't get the qualifications? What about the relationships? What if I'm forever outside of a relationship? And, and, and all those things and multiply them when they're your own personal thing and the thing you're thinking right now. Uh, David wants to say the shepherd holds the future. And his future for you, if you put your hand in his, is very, very precious. It's called this. I will dwell In the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Which sounds like a whole bunch of weird spiritual language, but it's actually very simple. It means this. The house of the Lord is the territory and realm and security of God. Everything God wants happens in the house of the Lord His kingdom, his reign, and his realm is not opposed in the house of the Lord. It's the perfect, unadulterated presence of God. There is nothing stopping the presence of God. Which is why when uh, John is inspired by God to write about future in the book of Revelation, which is the last book in, in the Bible, you know that really weird one with beasts and all that kind of stuff. When John is inspired to write that stuff, he describes... The house of the Lord forever, the kingdom of God, the city of God is a place of no more tears, no more fears, no more pain, no more death, no more loss, no more cancer, no more abuse, no more insecurity, no more competition, no more inequality, no more starvation. In other words, you don't need to live afraid about your future or what will become of you because the shepherd who heals you and holds you and provides for you and protects you has a plan. And it's a perfect plan and it's a personal plan and he's working out his plan. He knows you, he made you, he formed you and he has a plan for your life and it's a good, good plan. There will be no more fear. You don't have to be worried about the future. And, and, and I think David goes on and says, and you don't have to be worried about the present right now. Because he's, he's right with you. In fact, you can't get away from him. The one who holds it and wraps it all up, the one who, uh, he's, he's here right now. He, he restores my soul right now. How does he do so? With both hands, according to Psalm 23. Look, your rod and your staff... They comfort me. Two things, not one thing. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. He's carrying a rod and he's carrying a staff. One in his left hand and one in his right hand. What's, all, what's that all about? I think it's his protection and his direction. His protection and his direction. The rod was, was um, I don't know how to explain It's like a baseball bat. Okay? So the shepherd carries a baseball bat. I mean it's a club thing. And it was the protection. It was protection against wolves or bears or dead lions, lions and and people who would come and steal. It was a it was a, it was a rod. And, uh, and and sometimes it was a rod for the sheep as well. Knock them in you know, a bit of a knock on on the head, get back in line, get out of that muddy bit or whatever you're doing, or stop butting and fighting. It was it, this is this is about protection and correction. The rod and the staff. Well, it's, it's different. It's used to corral. It's used to rescue as a hook on it. Our shepherds know about these things. It has a hook on it, you know, it, it, it pulls the sheep out of the mud and out of the bog, it pulls them out of the thorn bush and it guides, it protects, it points, it says, and it, it, sometimes it, it, it makes the way when there doesn't appear to be a way. The first century Israelite shepherd saw himself as a father to these sheep, a bit like me. They were his charge. He lifted them and he led them and he provided and he was never off duty. He's never off duty. The good shepherd is with you right now. In your pain and in your mess, whether you're leaping around like a lamb in the field or whether you're stuck in a bog, whether you went through a thorn bush, whether you need a bop on the head or whether in, you need a crook, to, he, is, he is with you. Th- third thing I want you to know, and this is more difficult to say because it's more difficult to get our head around, but we're going to go there anyway. Not only... Do you not need to fear because he has the future and he has the present, but he was there in the past. He was there in your past pain with his perfect plan. He doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't go to sleep. He is working out his purposes, even in the mess, even in the pain, even when we don't understand it, even when we shake our fist, even when we say, God, you're not being God at this moment in time. And this is hard, because all of our lives contain stuff that we wish we hadn't had to experience, don't they? All of our lives. And you don't have to live very long before the stuff in your life that causes pain and damage and scars and sorrow. And you think, "How in the world, how in the world?" But, but what you need to know is this: the good shepherd scouts ahead, knows the terrain, sees further than you do, and is good. And he's in the valley, and he's not not with you when you're in the valley. He's with you. In the valley of the shadow of death, he is there. He was there. He will be there. He is there. And although it doesn't feel like it right now, and it didn't feel like it back then, he's still working out his perfect purpose for your life. Because he's the good shepherd. And you're a sheep. In other words, you don't need to be afraid of the future. Or alone in the present or defeated by your past because he's the shepherd there's nothing in this world like that and here's the thing here's the thing he may be the true good shepherd the only one but but you are never going to appropriate that for your life unless you choose to be a sheep because he's not a bully shepherd He's not a thief shepherd. He's not going to make you do stuff you don't want to do because he's gracious, he's good, he's loving, and he's kind. You've got to choose to be a sheep. Got to, if you're going to live in this place of fear less... If you're going to live in this place of confidence, if you're going to live looking at the future with, with hope and not despair, you've got to choose to be a sheep. And so you have to open yourself up to three things. This is really important. If you're going to write anything down, write it down now. Even if you don't want to write it down, if you write it down, it makes me preach better. Three things. You have to open yourself up to direction, discipline, and dependence. And you don't like any of those things. And that's the problem. You have to open yourself up to direction. what i 've discovered in walking through this world for like 31 years now what i, <laughs> <What> I <laughs> 've got to stop doing that it 's pathetic now. Um, what i 've discovered is this is that human beings tend not to like someone telling them what to do, particularly male human beings i 've I've discovered that may be a sexist thing, but that's what I've discovered. I, I think I think females are much more gracious generally, and but but, but men, there's, there's this stubborn gene thing. You know, I I, I will argue with the sat nav verbally. It's not true. That road does not exist. You know, I, I just it's it's why when men go to IKEA, and you, you've heard me say this before. It's why. How many of you have ever been to IKEA to buy the flat pack silly things that. I mean, if anyone loves doing that, apply to me. You can put these things up. But, but you, go to, you go to Ikea, and you buy this flat pack Billy, Billy thing. And, um, and then you use a knife, because it always says, don't use a knife. You think, stuff that. And you use a knife, and you undo it. And the first thing you find is one of these instruction sheets. And if you're a real man, you do This to the instruction sheet because Ikea is not the boss of me, Sweden is not the boss of anybody, and no one's telling me what to do because it's only got like five rivets and four screws, and it's got four planks and five bits of wood. How hard can this be? The result of that is, is I have jars full of Ikea screws in my house and bully bookcases that are at this angle somewhere and a whole tube of n- no-nails glue that's trying to hold the thing, the thing together. You know, here's the thing. It's, it's one thing when it's crap furniture. It's altogether another thing when it's your life, when it's your life, and he, the Good Shepherd, has a book out, and it's full of wisdom for life. Why wouldn't you read it and do it? And he, the Good Shepherd, speaks dynamically. The Spirit of God speaks and prompts and guides and directs. Why would you not be obedient to his direction in your life? We think it's going to limit us. I'll tell you what it's going to limit. It's going to limit the damage. As you go left when you should go right. As you go back when you should go forward. Because you didn't listen to the Spirit of God. He's a good shepherd. Discipline. You, you think you don 't like someone disciplining you too much i don 't, but but when you read the scriptures, athletes, children, farmers, soldiers all of those all of those images are used for the necessity of discipline We all if we want to do something great, we all have to do something we don 't want to do. Ask any athlete, ask any soldier, ask any farmer, ask any engineer, ask, ask any successful business person, ask any parent, ask any child who's old enough to understand, uh, that actually there's some stuff you have to do that you don't want to do to grow the muscles that enable you to do the stuff that you need to do in this life. The problem is we all want to fly. We all want to run. We all want to run with the dreams that God has placed in our hearts and lives. We all want to be whatever quote-unquote successful looks like. We just don't want the process that gets us there. We don't want the process that gets us there. There is um, there is an equation in this world, which seems totally reasonable to us, and it causes unending amounts of stress to our lives. And, and I think it is totally inappropriate in the kingdom of God. Here is the equation: your skills plus your effort equals your success. That's the equation. You know, learn more stuff, get really good at it, work really hard at it. And then you will be successful at whatever it is you want to do. The problem is this, twofold. One, it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. And secondly, it creates a driven, me-dependent, law-pursuing group of people. But there is an equation in the kingdom of God that's very different. It goes like this, and and it's full of Christian language, but we can play with that for a moment. It goes like this, John chapter 15, your abiding plus your pruning equals your fruit. In other words, the closer you get to the shepherd the more you get to know the shepherd, the more you allow the shepherd to influence your life and the more you allow the shepherd to take a scalpel to your life and cut out of your life anything that's going to damage you but you think it's going to bless you, anything that's going to damage you but it's going to limit you as far as the kingdom of God is concerned and who you're created to be is concerned and cut it out of your life even if it's a little bit painful will result in you bearing fruit, fearless fruit in your life. You have to go through the process. The process is direction and discipline and dependence. He leads me beside quiet waters. I have to totally trust Him that He's not going to lead me someplace bad. I have to trust Him that to, to lie down in green pastures when I could be attacked by anybody, I have to totally and utterly trust Him. The problem is, my heart has not learned to trust. Live in this world which is obsessed with you being responsible for your, or your, you know, the, I can't tell you the amount of funerals I have done where the song that gets played when the coffin is, is going into the thing, the thing, what did I just do? But you know, I can't tell you the amount of times when they play, I lived a life so full, I traveled each and every highway, but more, much more than this, I did it my way and everything in me goes and honestly look where it got you honestly that's really is is is, is that it did that help you live fearlessly did it help you live free did it help you live unhindered did it help you live guiltlessly? Did it help you live loved? We control things and we hold on to things, but control is a liar. It's an illusion. He may be the true good shepherd, but you have to want to be a sheep. and You have to trust him. There, there is a key here, I think, to being truly shepherded, and here it is. It's very, very simple. It's it's four words. But I think even then we get it wrong. The the phrase is this. I can't. He will. I can't. I I can't. And and here's, here's what I've understood. Most of us don't struggle with the I can't thing if we're being really honest. Because it doesn't take much living in this world to get to the point when you realize you can't fix it, you can't run it, you can't solve it, you can't answer it. You know, there are certain things you can, and then you get to a point where you can't anymore. You can't work it out emotionally, physically, spiritually, psychologically. You just get to that point when you can't anymore. It's beyond you. You, you, you can't anymore. You can't, you can't, you can't and more than that most of us when we begin to investigate God and we begin to ask questions about God we suspect probably he can probably he can if any of what we've been hearing is true if if he is then he can if this is true then if he really is the shepherd and he can do then then i can't but but he can here's the problem we know we can't we think he can but we doubt he will we know we can't We think he can, but we doubt he will. And the root of the issue is this. We don't actually understand how much we are loved. And we don't fully get how deeply committed he is to our lives and to our future and to our present and our past. We just don't get this love thing. We don't get this grace thing. He loves us because He loves us because He loves us. We forget how it comes and we keep trying to earn it and we always fall short of it and we forget it's all of grace in the first place. And so, knowing us and forgetting Him, we suspect He won't. He won't provide for me. He won't protect me. He won't look out for me because He's got a million other things that He's doing. He won't love me in a way that will truly bless me, because he doesn't know me. And so we hold back, and we don't trust. And we hold on to some of our financial world, and, 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 and some of our family world, and, 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 and we, st- we stop short of being shepherded. and We don't live like Bibby. And so we settle. And what we do, even if we, we, we name ourselves as Christians and we name ourselves as Jesus followers, is that we live in the shadowlands of I can't and I'm not sure he will. And so we settle for I can't and I'm not sure he will. And so we end up supplementing the shepherd. And it's ridiculous, but we do it. We go, so I trust you for these things, God. But I'm going to hold on to these things because somehow I think I can control these things. So God, you, you, I can have, I'll have you for the kind of long-term salvation stuff, and hopefully one day I see Jesus face-to-face, is going to be all right. But actually the financial stuff, I, I've, got, I've got my handle on that, so I'll hold on to that stuff and I'll, I'll manage it and deal with it until you can't. Oh, and the relational stuff, I'll, I'll have a go at that, because I'm fearful that actually you won't be good to me in the here and now. I know ultimately you're going to be good to me, but here and now I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced, and so we supplement the shepherd. David says, The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He has my best because he is good. So I don't need to look anywhere else. I don't have to prove myself to anyone else. He's going to give me the best because he is great. So actually I don't need to be in control because he is in control and I don't need to fear people because he is bigger than the boogeyman and he is the shepherd with the rod and the staff. I just need to let him shepherd me. You know, Jesus um, showed up and the scriptures say this. I think it's fascinating. They say that Jesus is God with skin on did not you love that image? Jesus is God with skin on. He he moved into the neighborhood. He put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood, John chapter 1 says. And Jesus is God with skin on, started to walk and he started to talk. And one of his favorite names for himself was that he was the good shepherd. Which is a really cool name because he walked around rural Israel along the sheep paths and told stories in an agrarian culture. And when he spoke about, and you remember the reading earlier, when he spoke about being the good shepherd, he said a number of things, really significant things. He says, I am totally committed to this shepherding thing for you, by the way. I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. He says that he has other sheep that are not of the sheep pen, so I'm going to go after some other sheep. But he says something really interesting. He says, I know my sheep by name. And they know Me. I know my sheep by name, and they know me. He knows you. You don't need to be afraid because He totally knows you. He made you the way He made you, He has seen every scar, every wound, every pain. He knows your ambitions and your hopes and your futures and your successes. He knows why you grieve at certain things. He knows why you find certain things annoying and he is for you not against you and has a perfect, a perfect plan for your life that is not generic. It's not like anybody else's plan and he is totally committed to working it out so much so that he went to a cross and he died and he laid his life down for the sheep. So he'd call you by name and you could know him by name and there could be a relationship between you and the shepherd. The really cool thing about our field is that if you walk across very quietly and stand on the edge of the field and call Bibi by name, she will come running. She doesn't even need to see you, she just needs to hear you call her by name. And she comes running with her paws. <laughs> or whatever those things are she has on the bottom of her feet. <laughs> and she comes running. I reckon there are at least three kinds of sheep in this room. Some of you, just like Bibby. You, you have learned, you know that you're adopted, you know that you're forgiven, you know that you're loved, and, and you are so dependent on the shepherd. And you are so open to the discipline of the shepherd because you know he has best. And you are so open to the direction of the shepherd because you know there is no other way. He is the way. There's no other way. It doesn't really matter whether it feels irrational. You are going to follow. And you just need to be encouraged because you will not live in fear. And then there there are others of us, many of us, probably the majority of us, that have this kind of in and out and fearful and not fearful relationship because we don't fully get we get that we can't and we get that he can but we don't fully understand in our hearts that he will and so we run and we hide and so we grasp and we hold. And so we allow fear into our life to govern our life and run our life. And so we try and control the stuff around our life that we know we can't control. But, but, but in, in the reality, we think, well, maybe we can just for a bit control. And, and we live this kind of shadow life. Where we're in the field, but we don't have that relationship with the shepherd. And then there are others of us who are just lost we ran. Because we didn't know any better. Because when God approached us, we thought, this can't be. I'm not into this. And we, and we, and we ran away. Or because the way in which God seemed to approach us through the people of God was hurtful or dis- disturbing or difficult or, or, or the message was wrong or whatever. But we ran away. The scriptures say the good shepherd leaves the sheep in the safety of the pen and goes out looking for the ones that are lost. I'm not going to Pretend that you can get through this life with no fear coming at you. But I am going to promise that if you put your hand in the hand of the shepherd, you can live fear less. You can live fearless. Let me pray for us. I think um, all over this room there is probably a healthy desire just to be shepherded Jesus we um, we thank you that amongst all the names that you give us for yourself that this is one of them we thank you for the richness of the imagery that's, that's in this passage of scripture I thank you personally that you know me That you provide for me and I don't have to fear. That you protect me and I don't have to fear. That you are with me in the past. You'll be with me in the future. That you're with me right now and I don't have to fear. I thank you that you know my heart and that you mend my heart. I thank you that sometimes that's instant, sometimes that's a process. But you are committed to restoring my soul. I thank you that you're the good shepherd. And today, once again, I choose to be a sheep. Not stupid, but just one that knows how good the shepherd is, how safe the shepherd is, how right his path is, how strong his protection is, and how much freedom can be found within the protection of the shepherd i thank you God.